So we are doing something super exciting coming up. Very, very exciting and nerve wracking, but exciting. Oh, stop. It's going to be fine. So we are doing a live recording of the elected podcast, bringing on two other members of our campaign team, plus a few special guests. And there will be prizes. If you join us live, we have some good stuff for you. So you can learn more by going to electedpodcast.com forward slash live, and we will see you there. Really hope we won't have to take back anything we say on this podcast. But we're definitely going to have to take back things we say. (laughs) Do we need to have one of those things where we like, we bleep? Uh, beep. This is going to be a train wreck. And I love it. Bring your wine. There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. Okay, what's the idea? I don't like this scenario. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we won. Yeah, and I think, too, especially with, like, women seeing other women run is, like, really encouraging, especially if they do win, 
but you know it's also the same it's like if you lose it's you know you still see a woman kind of risk it all and I mean, that's like in quotes, in quotes. Well, because when you think about running, you're like, is this, is this a risky scenario? It feels, it feels like it's like, okay, so I have to put all my chips into one basket, which isn't necessarily the case. Yeah, and I think, like, putting yourself out there is, like, a big part of what holds a lot of people back, especially if you've never run for anything before and you're, like, you're kind of, like, a political, like, a newcomer. I think a, a lot of the times you're so fixated on what's my first impression and what what am I going to leave people thinking about after this that I think it that doesn't even, I don't think goes through a lot of political like veterans minds Yeah, and the interesting thing that I've seen with all the, the contested primaries that just happened in Massachusetts is like looking at the statements afterwards and they're just excited about pushing the narrative in a different direction and talking about things that don't get talked about and having those really tough conversations with people that you're not completely disagreeing with. Um, and you're basically having tough conversations almost with your friends on a public scale then and then people have to vote like which one they like better i mean it the the interesting thing especially 
especially because Massachusetts, our state house is very like entrenched in the, the, the old ways and, and things like that. And slowly we've been seeing people kind of um, bring in um, new and more progressive ideals. But there definitely is tough conversations that have to be had. And we saw a lot of those happen the last few months. Yeah, for sure. And I've the the topics that have come up in the last few months, like we've never we've never had big conversations like this in Massachusetts, like racial justice. Like I've I haven't heard so much talk about transportation, especially in Boston, ever. I remember when the big dig collapsed. Yeah. I still am. And I think the the interesting thing is, I think now people are really figuring out, or at least being more vocal about how all of these policies and um, inequities are all intersectional. Like they're all woven into the, the same thing, which is, I don't think we've had so many, I mean, a lot of the, the talk has been about the environment, but the environment is also, environmental justice is also racial justice, which is also, you know, economic justice. For sure.
For sure. And for a lot of, I mean, we were talking about people that we liked and wanted to win. For one of the most helpful things, I think, for our campaign, for other campaigns, get to know the other candidates from from the surrounding districts, from the surrounding towns. Um, because a lot, you'll find a lot of resources and friendship in, in those people and a lot of support there that you wouldn't expect or you're, you wouldn't think is, is around because those people are fighting for the same things you are. And if you can find like-minded people like that as a, a human being, like they understand that you're a human being being thrust into the, like this political world especially if you're a first-time candidate. And a lot of those times, those people will be willing to do events with you. Those people will post about you on social media. They know what you're going through. Um, They're in the exact same position and they're willing, they're having the same conversations. So I think building relationships with those people is super helpful. And that was probably the the most fun part about the the pre-primary process. We made friends. It's the friends you make along the way. <laughs> no, we're not singing a song. We make a campaign jingle right now. That's true. Pete had that one Panic at the Disco song that he played everywhere. Yeah, that sounds about right. You don't need a jingle. It, it'll be embarrassing at that point. Pay an 18-year-old to do it. Yeah, pay them. Yeah, 
And the funny thing is that my older sister texted in our family group chat. You're added on November 4th. Imagine it's like every text. But she um texted in our group chat and she said, Did Meg Wheeler win? And then my mom said, My mom said, I don't know, go check. And like they're just like blissfully unaware. But even though I've told them that we were on a post, so it doesn't matter. But they sent me the screenshot of like the Boston Globe on like the website saying like Meg Wheeler with like the check next to it. And it was very cool. The New York Times thing was crazy. Yeah. For sure. It's so cool. Yeah. 
And I really hope he remembers any of this process. Well, you never know. Like, maybe he'll he'll have, like, one distinct memory. What if it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, something bad? You gotta do what you gotta do. I know, that's the funniest thing, is that it was like a pride flag. Yeah. Our brands. We got some good photos out of that day, though. I'm nervous already. Well, it's live. Our senior class. That's the point. I finished it and I'm ready to fully embrace it. No. You're you're Bartlett. Santos. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Elected, the podcast. There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.